Hi friends, happy Easter. I can't believe that Easter is here already. And I hope that uh, it has been uh, a good weekend so far for you in recognizing Jesus and being able to um, just ponder again uh, the life that he brings and the meaning of the resurrection and the hope that it gives us as we consider him. Well, I'd like to start this morning by telling you a story about my dad. And I don't talk a lot about my dad, but um, I want to tell you a story about an experience I had with him in 2008. I was 36 years old, and I was able to have the privilege of bringing my dad to Hungary. And my dad was Hungarian. He fled Hungary in 1956 during the revolution when the, when the Russian government was taking uh, over control of Hungary. And he fled to Austria. He ended up as a refugee in France for six months, was put on a ship, and I think it went to Montreal. And from Montreal, he was put on a train where he uh, landed in Hamilton. And if I remember correctly, they gave him uh, a hotel for a month, $25, and said, have at it. So my dad had uh, a fascinating experience. If you want to have coffee sometime and hear more, I'd be happy to sit down and, and tell you about it. But for, um, for the sake of today, we'll just stop the story there of his past. But in 2008, I was able to bring him with me to Hungary. I had gone the year before, and he didn't want to come, but I had this kind of longing to see where my father was from. And the first time that I went, I met two of his sisters that he hadn't seen or really spoken to in 50 years. And I made a little movie with them in it uh, for him, and that encouraged him to come the next year. And something profound happened when I was with him in Hungary. I saw my dad for the very first time speaking in his own country in his first language. And I had never really seen that happen before. And I began to learn about the town that he grew up in and hear stories from some of his relatives about the way things were. You see, as a as a young boy and then in my teen years and even in my young adult years, there were things about my dad that I didn't understand. I loved my dad and he was the best dad ever. And um, there were still things that, that I didn't, didn't understand and were, I think they bothered me sometimes. Why was my dad the way he was and why did he do things the way he did? And when I was able to see him and experience him in Hungary that time in 2008, it completely changed my understanding. It reframed my perspective of my dad. And isn't that how often life works? We, th we have images and pictures in our mind of how things should be or, or what we think is true. And then we have an experience or an encounter with someone that messes with that and changes it and actually sheds light on how our thinking was maybe not quite as accurate as we thought it was. And so this leads me to the Easter story and looking at the end of Luke's account of Jesus with two people who had an encounter with him. But before I get there, one of the times when Jesus in the middle of his ministry was teaching, he was in Jerusalem during a festival in John chapter 8. And he said this about his followers. He said, if you hold to my teaching, 
You are really my disciples. And if you remember, a few weeks ago, we did a, a series about uh, beautiful community. And we looked at the idea of transformation. And transformation happens best when we take the teaching of Jesus seriously and we live it out. And so here's Jesus saying in John 8, If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. And then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And now I want to jump over to Luke 24, because I think this is a story of two people who experience new truth in an encounter with Jesus. And it frees them from a worldview that was skewed and really preventing them from understanding Jesus fully. So I'm going to read the story for us. It's a little bit lengthy, um, but I just encourage you to listen as, as we read about these two people on the day of the resurrection on Sunday, And they are going from Jerusalem to a small town called Emmaus. So that same day, the resurrection day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. So he asked them, What are you discussing about as you walk along the road? And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. And then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. Well, what things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet. He did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. And all this happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. And some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Jesus said to them, You foolish people! You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? And then... Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And by this time they were nearing Emmaus in the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, Stay the night with us. It's getting late. So he went home with them, and as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it, and then he broke it and he gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And at that very moment, he disappeared. And they said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who had said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. And what a great story. It's, uh, it's 
It's the kind of story that you read it and you find yourself identifying with the characters in this story. You know, we started this series last week of Jesus and politics, and last week we looked at Jesus and power, and this week I had actually intended to look at the story of Jesus and Pilate and the conversation they have about truth. But for some reason, I just felt like we needed to come here to Luke 24 instead. And so this isn't really going to be a lot about maybe how Jesus challenges falsehood uh, in politics or, or anything like that. It's maybe just more of inviting you to see yourself in this story on the road. Because the road that these two are walking is a familiar road. It's a road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And I think Luke is doing something here because up to this, for so many chapters, Luke has Jesus heading to Jerusalem, the road to Jerusalem. And now he has two people right after the crucifixion leaving from Jerusalem. And I think there's a play here on on direction and on a projection. And they're walking this road and they're trying to make sense of everything that just happened. And in verse 16, we read that they were kept from recognizing Jesus. They just didn't see him. He was right there, and they didn't recognize him. They were so familiar with the road, and they thought that they knew Jesus. And yet when he's there in front of them, they can't see him. That kind of road experience, I think, is maybe more common than just for these two. You know, the road of not seeing clearly, the road of not understanding, the road of thinking we have the answers, only to discover that maybe we were, they were distorted, is a familiar road. They needed to have an encounter with Jesus. And this is why he's there. This is why he shows up. Because here's two people that were walking and talking, and there's a sense of confusion and disillusionment. You know, it's interesting, when you read the story, I wonder, I wonder who you think these two are. Is it two of his, two of his disciples? Is it um, two random people that just kind of follow Jesus? Uh, one of them has a name, Cleopas. And it's possible, if you go to John 19, you read about women who were at the cross during the crucifixion, and one of them is named Mary, the wife of Clopas, another spelling of the same name. So it is possible that this is actually Clopas and his wife, husband and wife, walking and talking on this very familiar road, but there's so much confusion in their, in their hearts and minds and disillusionment. You get the sense, Luke says, they stop short, sadness written on their faces in verse 17. And then they, in verse 21, they're saying to Jesus, we had hoped he was the Messiah. And the, the intent is, we had hoped he was the Messiah, but obviously we were wrong. We put our hopes in this guy, and he took them and shattered them. And I think they're upset. There's, there's a tone of frustration, disillusionment, but I don't think it's at themselves. I actually think it's at Jesus. You might read it a different way. That's kind of how I'm seeing that. 
And again, this familiar road that they're on, not just physically, but symbolically. That there are so many people who think they understand God. And they've got them all figured out. And then things happen that completely turn the card upside down. And there's confusion and disillusionment. And I wonder if that might be part of your road today. And as I said earlier, they needed an encounter with Jesus. They were having the encounter with Jesus. They just hadn't realized it yet. And so Jesus begins to reframe their thinking or their worldview. He reframes their image of God and of himself. And so in verse 25, Jesus says to them, you foolish people. I love, I love the language he uses here. You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe everything that you have. And what's interesting is Jesus starts with familiar ground for them. Not only is this a familiar road, but the conversation he has with them is around something that they're familiar with, the Jewish scriptures. They were immersed in the Jewish scriptures, and it was those scriptures that had shaped their worldview. They had an understanding of who they thought God was and how they thought God operated in this world. And so Jesus starts there. And he challenges their thinking, but there's this tone of of grace in what he's doing. And he begins to walk them through their journey, and he begins to walk them through their understanding, and begins to point out where they have gone astray, where their worldview is actually in error or distorted about who they think God is and how they think God should operate in this world. So in verse 16, they don't recognize Jesus because because they had already created an image in their mind of who they thought he should be and how they thought he should act. But by the time we get to verse 31, their eyes are opened and they see him in a whole new way. But Jesus met them where they were at and he began with the understanding that they had and he led them along from there. And in other places he did this with other people. So the Samaritan woman, who wasn't, um, who wasn't Jewish, had a different understanding of who God was and how they should respond to him. And Jesus has a conversation with her in John 4. And it begins with the knowledge that she has and the understanding that she has. Then there's uh, the Syrophoenician woman that he has a conversation with her on, on her own understanding of God. The Roman centurion that Jesus has an exchange with. Over and over again, you see him meeting people where they are at rather than expecting them to meet him somewhere where he thinks she should be. It's not, it's not like Jesus stayed in Jerusalem and then just waited for them to come back and, and kind of treated them like, where have you been? Why are you leaving? You should have been here the whole time. No, he goes to them. And then he walks with them. And he walks most of the way to all the way to Emmaus. And then he sits in their home with them. And what he's wanting to do is take their familiar road and move them from the road, from a road experience to a table experience so that he could reframe their worldview. And when they have that experience, 
everything changes. You see, it's hard to recognize Jesus on the road when you're in a hurry. Here they are hurrying to Emmaus, and they're talking face-to-face with Jesus, and they can't recognize him. That's the road experience. But then there's the table experience. And the table experience is about sitting. It's about sharing food. It's about lingering. It's about enjoying presence and conversation. And in time, their eyes are opened and suddenly they realize who Jesus is. And then he's gone because there's more to be done. And once they have that table experience, now there's a whole new road experience. There's a whole new journey. Because as soon as this happens, their eyes are opened, they recognize Jesus, and the first thing they do is go back down that road so familiar to them. Only this time, they're seeing everything in a whole new light. And now they're going back to Jerusalem, they're going down the road with good news. And it's the good news of the risen Jesus. And it's the good news that he has suddenly, through the truth that he has offered them, changed their way of thinking, changed their understanding of who God is reframed how they think God should operate in this world. You see, their road experience and their table experience can be anybody's road experience and table experience. Jesus has been meeting people on the road to Emmaus countless times. And I wonder if you've had that experience, that road experience, that table experience, and that's turned into a new road, a new journey with good news. And I'm not just talking about the first time that you came to to understand and believe who Jesus is and began to follow him. I'm talking about all the times, all the times that I have met Jesus, encountered him on the road, and he's invited me to the table, and he he has given me new truth that has helped me understand him in ways that I wasn't able to before that. And he has allowed himself to be known through the scriptures and the Spirit of God um, does this amazing work of opening our eyes over and over again into deeper awareness and greater understanding of, of who God is and of how he operates in this world. You know, here's something that I, I think would be helpful for all of us to recognize. In our New Life family, there are all kinds of people. There are um, new believers who are traveling with us right now. There are, are, are many people who have been traveling the road with Jesus for decades, and there's all those in between. There are skeptics who are part of our family, and agnostics, and even atheists. And there are those who might be considered fundamentalists or those that would just say, yeah, I'm kind of here, just kind of a lukewarm person along for the ride. I'm not really sure about things. There are people who are part of our family that have been burned by the church or by religion and they've had bad experiences in life in general. And then there are those that just everything seems to always work out for them. And they actually just don't want to have their world messed with or their comfort level Um, poked. There are people in our 
New Life family who come from a modern worldview, a modernist worldview. They are, have most of their thinking about life and about reality and about God was shaped through the 20th century. And as we've moved into the 20th century, we have people that would be identified as postmodern in their thinking. And we have baby boomers and Gen Xers like me and millennials and Gen Zs and younger people. And there's such a mix of people, and, and every person has an understanding in their mind and in their heart of who God is and how they think God should operate in the world. And part of the, the beauty of our community is that we have the opportunity to journey together and to hope and, and, and pray for how we can encourage one another in greater awareness and I think what Jesus is doing uh, in days like today and in other ex- moments is he's meeting each one of these people on the road. He's meeting you on the road of life. And he's inviting you to sit down at the table so that, you know, even along the road during the table, he can offer you uh, a new understanding the truth about himself that will point out some of the things that you uh, thought were rock solid that maybe aren't. And in uh, ways that only Jesus can do through the Spirit of God, he's wanting to open your eyes and to reframe your perspective, to see him in a whole new way, to move you from the road to the table so that you can go back on the road with this good news. So here's the one thing I would finish with. After the encounter, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? So I'm going to, I'm going to leave you with this question. Where is your heart burning right now? And I, and I mean your heart. I don't just mean cognitively, you know, what hang-ups do you have about Jesus? Although that is a part of the burning in your heart. So I I would encourage you to think a little more holistically. Where is your heart burning? What desire do you have for a deeper understanding of Jesus? And what kind of a table experience do you need to have? See, I'm not sure I can answer that question for you. But I want to ask the question. What is it about God or about Jesus that bothers you? And that's maybe the burning heart because you realize there's got to be something I'm missing. And then what would a table experience look like for you? So that he could open your eyes to new truth. I want to leave you with that, that, um, those questions for you to ponder uh, this week. And I'm going to invite you to come back next week as we carry on in this series, Jesus and Politics, as we look at peacemaking. But as we finish up here with Easter today and this story on the road to Emmaus, I'm going to invite you to, to pray with me. Father, thank you for the truth of the good news of Jesus, 
for this story that Luke concluded very intentionally. I pray for each one watching that they would see themselves in this story. I think all of us, when we're honest with ourselves, can realize that there are things that we uh, that we think about in relation to you that, that aren't necessarily true. And we need an encounter with you, Jesus, so that you can reframe our thinking. And so we invite you to do that and pray that in your grace and mercy you would recognize sometimes our trepidation and our hesitancy in doing that. And maybe for some, may the road experience with you just be something they weren't expecting, but be open to in the moment so that you can open their eyes. And as a family, open us to to deeper awareness of who you are and an appreciation of how you are at work in this world. So today we celebrate you, the risen Lord, We celebrate you, the one who also gives us the hope of resurrection at your return. That you are the author of life, that you have conquered death. We are resurrection people. And we worship a Lord who was not only resurrected, but shows us how he operates in this world through his crucifixion. And so when we encounter the resurrected Jesus, we also realize that we are encountering the crucified Jesus. And in the truth of both of those realities, may you open our eyes to greater understanding of who you are. Now and forevermore, we give you praise, glory, and honor. Amen.